Romans chapter 15, verses 27 through 33, and we'll read those verses responsively. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come to you into Spain. And I am sure that when I am come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and trust my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. And together on verse 33, now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Romans chapter 15. Can we take our Bibles there? What a blessing today. Had a guest that came to the services, two of them. First time they've been here. I asked, when you been in church? They said, well, I said, you go to church anywhere? She goes, you know what? This is the first time I've been in church in probably 20 years. And this afternoon, after the service over lunch, they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, both of them. And I rejoice so much. And they manage a store where one of our, our uh, folks um, do business, and they got him to come. And, and uh, they came, and today they got saved. Isn't that wonderful? I rejoice with that. God is doing a work. And I, wanna, I want everybody to experience the joy of seeing people you know and you meet come to know Jesus as their Savior. And I, I want to be that way. I had the joy to lead someone to Christ yesterday, and I'm so happy. It's been a prayer of mine every day this week, and I've gotten to witness to people, giving out gospel tracts. I even did it last night. But it was great to be able to see someone come to know Christ. God's always working. And one thing you can guarantee is that God is working in the hearts of people. And you are labor together with, with Him. We're with Him. And so his, he, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. So if you're a good Christian and, and you are interested in serving with Christ, you're going to be winning and working with people. And don't forget to pray. Pray that God will open up opportunities. You start with prayer and God's going to bring you somebody in time. I just, I can't, uh, and we've had some people saved this week in the jails and the juvenile center. That was a blessing to hear about that. Had folks that saved out soul winning, folks saved on the bus ministry. Uh, yesterday in Chicago, several folks came to know Christ as their Savior. Had a father of one of the writers come to know Christ yesterday. This is the way it ought to be every day. I like what the Bible says, daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And the Lord added to the church daily. And I certainly am grateful to be a part of a church where we get to see people get saved on a regular basis. was grateful for the Mike Waller brought two folks, and they carried several folks last week, and they, they made professions of faith, but today they came back and got baptized. That's a wonderful thing. We want to see God do that in the lives of people. We're in Romans chapter 15. We're talking about having a righteous testimony. Your sermons whisper, but your life shouts. 
And everybody is a mirror of, of Jesus to somebody else. Most people will get their opinion about Jesus from your life and my life. They won't be impressed as much by the church building, uh, by a bus going by. They're going to be looking at you, how you handle problems, how you treat people, how you pay your bills, how you spend your money, uh, how you treat your mom and dad, how you treat your kids, how you treat your spouse. People are always watching you. I saw four men this morning, I'm praying, and I, I talked to them, I've given them gospel tracts, and I thought, about this, I thought about this as I pulled away from them today. I thought, you know what, I need, we have different gospel tracts. Brother Mark Duff is so good to design some other ones. So I said, you know what, I gave this to you, read again. I want you to read another one. Here's another one. And I'm thinking, okay, what can I do? I asked him, I said, you guys solving all the world's problems right here in Munster? And he said, oh, we're working on it. But the truth of the matter is, they got bigger problems than they understand. They need Jesus. They need Christ. They need to talk about more than just cigars and uh, politics. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. And was thinking about that today. And boy, I need to be passionate about seeing people get saved. But um, matter of fact, the way I met them is they saw me and said, who are you? You're always so happy and bubbly and everything. Who are you? I said, I'm the pastor of the church. He goes, oh, that makes sense. No, they asked me that because, not because of my dress, because of my spirit. Other people, I don't know if they think the same thing or not, but at least one day I did the right thing. But you know, people take their read based upon your, your countenance, how you handle a problem, how you handle a bad waitress, how do you handle someone across the, the gasoline island that doesn't uh, treat you right or doesn't do right or cuts you off at the car wash, how you handle those things, how you work. What your boss thinks about you, you clock in late or clock in early, or you, or you do your work, or you conduct your business, how you pay your bill, everything is a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul said, they were saying to them in Corinth, hey, listen, if he's all that, let him send letters telling people that he is this and he's that and he's that. He said, look, forget the letters. You're my epistles, known and read of all men. He said, I'm not with you, but if you'll live right, you'll be a good letter of recommendation for me. I led you to Christ. You attended the church there at Corinth. So if you'll live right, then you'll be my letter. And everybody's going to read the letter and get their opinion of me and the Christ that I serve based upon your conduct. Now, I think a testimony for Jesus is a big deal. And all of us need a checkup from the neck up and say, hey, listen, am I a good Christian? Am I a good reflection of the Lord? And of course, in the book of Romans, I have enjoyed this study, and thank you for going through it with me. We see the book of Romans is divided in five sections. Sin, salvation, sanctification, the sovereignty and salvation in respect to the nation of Israel, and service, and a testimony of service, chapters 12 through 16. We've gone through chapters 12, 13, 14. We're in 15 toward the end now. And uh, there are several things of importance through all of that. But in chapter 15, there are several things that we ought to have a testimony of. Number one, we have a testimony of edifying one another. Would you look at chapter 15, verse number 2? Let every one of us please his neighbor for, for his good to what? Edification. So I have a testimony that when I come into a room and you come into a room or a situation, an institution, a circumstance, that you make good things a lot better. You build up, you don't tear down. 
That's a testimony that ought to be for people who, have, who are of God. I was uh, listening to a man who, who is, I think he's saved, but he loves to hire young people from our church. And uh, I talked to another person the other day, he said he was at a place of business, he said, I can't wait for these kids from Hiles Anderson to get back. He had another uh, business uh, uh, restaurant, and unfortunately, I guess Cracker Barrel is going to start serving alcohol, and so our, our kids can't work there. But another restaurant called right away and said, hey, you know what? He said, you tell the kids that come in from Hiles Anderson, all they have to do is say they're from Hiles Anderson, they're hired on the spot. He told his managers, he said, yeah, I own two restaurants. He said, you just tell them they come in from Hiles Anderson, just hire them on the spot. And I think it's a great testimony for the school. It's a great testimony for Christians. Whenever they are a good thing, one of our groups, one of our, our places, that when they have the morning shift done, the Hiles Anderson guys come, they call them the Holy Rollers. <laughs> he said, the Holy Rollers are here. You guys can check out. So the guys don't look forward to seeing the Holy Rollers. They get less hours when the Holy Rollers come in here. I think that's a great testimony. It's a good testimony. He said, but look, you ought to make a good thing better. You ought to be a testimony of, of someone who builds up, not tears down. You ought to be a testimony of people who believe the word of God. And through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, we have hope. Uh, Bible-believing people. Boy, keep a Bible. Take a Bible with you. Love your Bible. Get a good Bible. If you don't have one or you have so many you don't have one that you really like, get one you like. I thank God for iPads and iPhones, but again, get, you know, it doesn't say there, in, in Romans, Revelation chapter 4, it didn't say, you know, who is worthy to open the iPad. <laughs> it said, who is worthy to open the book? I think it's good. I've got an iPhone and I've got an iPad and I can like to read scriptures or listen to it from time to time, but I'm glad I got a book. Let the Bible be your book. Let it write in it. You read my Bible, I'll read yours. I'm sure we'd see things like, you know, John, pay attention to this. This is for you. Circling, I can remember certain things. I remember one time I was sitting under a light, and uh, I was reading the Psalms. And I was seeing those little bugs and all things flying in the light, but I was, I was reading, and the Lord got all over me when I read that He is my portion. Well, I remember the fuzzy wuzzies that went all over me. When I was under a light, I started yelling and hollering. You thought I was a Pentecostal for a few moments. I was saying, that's good, God. You're my portion. You're all I need. This is good. I started crying. Probably the, the insects got nervous. What's that guy doing down there? But you know, I remember I underlined that in my Bible. And every time I come across that point in my Bible, I think about, hey, I remember where I was when God spoke to me about that. Remember what happened there. God did something to my heart. Somebody says, well, how long do I read the Bible? Read it, read it till you get holy heartburn. <laughs> Young men over here, let's stop talking. Pay attention. Read it till you, read it till God deals with you. Don't just read, well, I got my proverb of the day. Let's take on the day. No, no, no. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Meditate on it. Think about it. Love it. Cherish it. Will it be a testimony? That guy, that girl knows their Bible. Ought to be something we know. Then we find in chapter 15 a testimony of unity and glorifying God. Look, if you would please, at verse number 6. Let's read it out loud together, everyone. That ye may be with one mind and one mouth, 
even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That should be our testimony. And then we talked this morning and preached this morning on a testimony of world evangelism. Chapter 14 through 22, the Apostle Paul tells about his calling and burden to get the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. Within his calling, he also said there's several elements. You've got to be full of goodness. If the world's going to hear the gospel, somebody's got to give. Somebody's got to give. You give, you pray, you go. All of those. All of us ought to be praying, all of us ought to be giving, and all of us ought to be going. He said, for the world to hear the gospel, you've got to be full of goodness. We see that. Look, if you would, please, verse number 14. Not only should be full of goodness, but full of all knowledge. Knowledge of missionaries. That's why I want the girls, all the girls that can, September the 10th, 630, at the, at the DeCoster Dining Hall, Go. Say, Pastor, what's going to happen? You're going to get more of a knowledge about who's serving where. Well, I was talking to one of our missionaries yesterday, Brother Botros Fauthaus and his wife Faith. They're over in Alexandria, Egypt. And he's got 50, 52 pastors and churches all over Egypt. He used to own nine gold stores, jeweler. He was a jeweler. And one by one, he sold them all, took the profits, and bought church properties in a Muslim country. He bought 37 church properties, and he wants people to get saved of those things. He wants to, he, he does a Bible college, and he wants to train other people. But listen to him, and he said, oh, Pastor Wilkerson, we love you so much in Egypt. We need you in Egypt. Our pastors need you. It's so discouraging. Everywhere we put a church, they put a mosque across the street. Everywhere we put a church, they buy a house and they put up a mosque and they put sound, sound, sound speakers and whoa, 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 they, they blur them into our, our church building. I used to wonder when I go to Egypt, why does every little church have a sound system? They're trying to compete with a mosque across the street. It's frustrating. Boy, when you think about that, you know what that couple needs? They need somebody to love them. Need somebody to WhatsApp them every now and then and just say, we love you. You're doing a great work. Don't be discouraged. Those missionaries we saw tonight on the screen, we saw this morning at Brother Chris Sage, a single man serving the Lord, trying to do what he can do as an extension of Brother Louis Ramos there in St. Louis Potosi to start that church and work with that pastor. You know what he needs? He knows someone believes in him. And he sent someone to do that. He said, I want you to, I want you, if you're going to get the world the gospel, you must be full of generosity. You must have a role in giving. You must have a role in knowledge. And then at the end of verse number 14, the Bible says, also admonishing one another. When I see you give, when I see your heart, you encourage me. We ought to provoke each other to love God and others more, do more for God and others. Listen, you got a good friend. If you got a friend that'll kind of proverbially uh, give you a, a nudge, he said, "You are going to that meeting, aren't you? You are going to give to missions, aren't you?" I oftentimes ask friends because I get excited about it. Hey, you are giving to missions, aren't you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're giving a little bit more this year. It's exciting to see what's going on. Or people provoke me to get more involved with that. He said, this is what world evangelism needs. It needs someone's willing to give. Someone's willing to learn about what the need of the world is and study a little bit larger maps. Somebody's willing to admonish each other. The missions needs ministers, labors. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the... Oh, listen, friends. Some of you, God's calling. You need to answer the phone. 
Some of you, God is calling you to do something. Paul and Jolie Soccer right here, and I love them. And ever since I've ever met them, I've always been praying for them. They're in Poland. One of the discouraging things about their ministry is other people aren't serving with them. I wish they had other, another couple to go with them. How much, how much, they've done a great work, but how much more could be done with the encouragement of somebody else? Some of you ought to, you say, I'm not really good at making a good thing. Well, make a good thing better. Hook your little wagon to someone else's locomotive. So, well, Pastor, I can be a missionary. What can you do to help a missionary? What can you do to be a part of that? What can you do in your next vacation? Go to the foreign field. Go down to see Biz Larice, Dominican Republic. Go down to see one of the, the Owens family. They got like 17 kids, and one more won't matter. Go down and encourage them in Ghana or Bulgaria or Georgia. Go down to see Brother Louis Ramos. Or go, go find somebody that you can be a blessing to. I think these are some things we got to do. And ministers, we had to pray that God would call our young people. Some of you young people, you're, all you're thinking about is an iPhone and a, and a Starbucks card and a, 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 a name tag on a door. And you need to think a little bit higher than that. Does God want me to endure hardness as a good soldier? Does he want me to go to some place? Some of us, we just want a paycheck. We want our insurance taken care of, and we're not thinking about what God may want us to do. And by the way, all of us ought to work for God. All of us ought to say, you know what, my, my faith is in him. I wonder how many people don't do what God wants to do because they're afraid. They're afraid of inconvenience. They're afraid of hardship. They're afraid of difficulty. I love hearing Brother Rick Martin. We saw him this morning. But he's told me probably five times in the years I've known him. He said, if I was young again, I would ask God to send me to Africa. He said, if I was young again, if I had my life to live over again, at this time, because Philippines, there's nothing, nothing wrong with going to be a missionary in the Philippines, but the Philippines, God has done some unbelievable work throughout the last several decades. He said, but Africa is wide open. He said, it'll be hard, it'll be difficult, but the, the people are receptive to the gospel of Jesus. And you can see a lot of people saved and a lot of people trained with a lot less funds and a lot, not, not that much talent, just some passion. Well, I think somebody tonight, maybe God's already talking to you about that. One thing the world evangelism needs is the labor. It needs ministers. Paul said, I'm that minister. And I'm going not where someone else has already gone. I'm not trying to build on someone else's foundation. I'm actually going out into uncharted territory and doing wherever God sends me. That's where I'm going to go. And I want to make sure I go where the gospel has not been preached. And he took it to virgin territories. We need a few kamikaze people. Some of you young people say, well, I've had a hard life, and I don't have a really good. Hey, you're a good prospect for going to the mission field. <laughs> Some folks who had it real cushy, and they're too weak to do it. Some of you guys, you've got, you had some tough upbringings. You've had some, some, a single mom or a single dad, or you've had some situations that have not been easy for you. You've had to stand up for right. Hey, listen, you may be prime, ready for God to use you. We need folks that will say, you know, I'm, I'm willing to do what God wants me to do. I'm willing to go to virgin territories. And I, I'm thankful for giving, and God knows my heart. If God wanted me to be a missionary, I'd be gone tomorrow. And if he wants me to do that at 53, we'll figure it out. But I want everybody to say, you know, really, world's evangelism has to have labors. 
Every one of you teachers that teach your class, including you, Lexandra, and Camaria, and Miss Jackie Fielder, you guys ought to, when you go to that public setting, you ought to say, God, give me a labor out of this class. Give me some kid that can get saved, their parents can get saved, and God could use them to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Every college teacher, every, every faculty member, every staff member ought to be, see, see every child. I don't care if they're K-4 or they're in 12th grade. Let's say, Lord, would you use this child to be a laborer? Would you call them? Every mom and dad, you ought to get together tonight. And Linda and we ought to do this too and just remind our God that our kids belong to him. And we're going to do all we can do to help them do whatever God wants them to do. Not hold them back. Not try to keep them close. Arrows are not made to be kept in a quiver. They're made to launch. So go places where the archer can't go. Let us pray that God would use our children. Don't think about, I'd love to just buy up all the houses in Hammond and just let all my kids live around me. That's not God's plan in this lifetime. God wants them to be used to the Lord, and we pray that God will do that. You pray with me about mine, I'll pray with you about yours. You say, well, my kids are grown, they're doing other things. Pray for another kid. That brother, brother Hederman over there, he's got a son over in Peru. Let us pray for them. Pray that God would use them. Brother, brother and Mrs. Um, Ah, Claire have children in Zanzibar, grandchildren in Zanzibar, and also in, in Hungary. What a pray for them. Wherever kids are, think about Jonathan and Brittany Beal. And of course, her brother's up here in the, in, the, uh, in the church today. But we ought to really be praying that God will use them, help them learn the language, and be very productive in the work of the Lord. All of us. Laborers are vital to the mission field. Admonition's important. The Holy Spirit is a, is a non-negotiable. You've got to have him. And the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of mission. It's very proactive. God's got something going. And I love this. I'm thinking about this a lot. You can hear me talk about it. I am excited about what God is doing. Now, I don't think God's worried about COVID one bit. He is not shook up. He's not nervous. He doesn't even have a headache. He's good. He's got something going. Don't sit around and watch Fox News all day long. Don't spend a bunch of time on social media. Get out there and get with what God's doing. Spend your time thinking about, God, what are you trying to accomplish? And how do you want me to be part of that? World evangelism ought to be what every Christian is all about. You ought to know more about this world and about missions, fields, than anybody in your neighborhood. That'll be something you think about. When you make an extra, get an extra overtime, you'll think about, well, maybe I can give more. Maybe I can find someone. I talked to him the other day. He said, Pastor, I'm flipping a house, and I think I'm going to have $3,000 to give away to God. I told the Lord, if he'd give me this, I'll do this. I said, well, you know what? I'm thinking about this because that's what I want to do. Let me do that right there. He said, I think I'll be able to have the money for you in November. He gave the money last week. He said, I'm going to try another one. I'm going to try something else God's got for me. Why? Because you know God's not looking for a can. He's looking for a funnel. Amen. He's not looking for a bucket. He's looking for a channel. He's not looking for someone who can just, just to pack their things. Some of you young couples, you're making money hand over fist. Start your giving now. Don't wait till, well, I'm retired. I'm going to do that. No, do it now. Add a little bit by a little bit. See yourself go. Years ago, Lynn and I, I remember when I got married to her, I said, honey, I am scared to death to take on anybody else's responsibility. I've never taken care of anybody but me. And I've asked you to marry me, and you said yes, and I'm scared to death. 
But right now, I'm giving 18% of my income to the Lord. And now I think that God's helped me. Here's what I give to, the, to, 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 to my tithe and offerings. Here's what I give to missions. And I said, what do you think? And she said, you know, John, whatever you do is what I'm going to do. Let's do this together. And I remember when we passed up the 20% mark and the 22 and the, and the 30. And when I, when I started pastoring the First Baptist Church of Long Beach, we're at 30, about 35% of our income was going to the Lord. Then those 13 years, and I got to see well over half our income going to the Lord. And, and then beyond that, giving more to missions than we can give anyone, any, anything else in our whole budget. And watching God give through us what he would not give to us. I know everybody can do it. I'm not saying it to brag. I'm just telling you, it's been a journey. But it's been a sweet journey because God has a bigger bucket than I do. I give him a teaspoon, he brings a tablespoon. I bring him a tablespoon, he brings a cup. I bring him a cup, he brings a bucket. Bring a bucket, he brings a wheelbarrow. Bring a wheelbarrow, he brings a dump truck. He knows how to give through. And then you win. I like what Apostle Paul said. It's expedient for you that you give. I mean, when's enough enough? I think some of us, we don't know when enough's enough. We're going to save a lot of money and you're going to leave all of it. To irresponsible individuals who are getting something for nothing... When God gave you to do something to give, and I think there is importance in giving to the Lord. I think it's important in laying up inheritance for your children and your children's children. But I don't think it's near as important as doing what you're doing and giving while you're living and helping people get saved today. We're thinking about the next 30 years, and God's thinking about the next 30 million years, and who's going to be there with you? He reminds us, he said, I want you to sow seeds and do it bountifully. Evangelism, world evangelism needs some people who are ministers and the Holy Spirit to provoke our hearts. And we must be willing to go. Apostle Paul said, I went, uh, starting in Jerusalem and then to all Illyricum and every place. And he told about all the places from this Italy to here. He hadn't gone to Spain. He hadn't gone to Rome yet. But he's sitting in Corinth with about five of his friends, he'll tell us about at the end of the chapter 16. Tertullius is writing down everything he's saying as he talked about sin and salvation through faith and sanctification and the sovereignty of God. And he is writing down, as he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, he's putting us all together while he is waiting. And he's sitting there and he's got men who are getting ready to go now into Jerusalem. And they've got money in hand and testimonies to boot. He's already gone to a KI, which is at Corinth. And he said, listen, would you guys like to help me encourage the people that brought the gospel to us, the Jewish men and women? He goes, oh, I, I, I have such a burden for them. I, was, I am a Jewish, but I hurt those people so bad. I made Stephen's wife a widow. I made Stephen's kids fatherless orphans. I made them lose jobs. I hurt them. I caught them to go to jail. I arrested scores and maybe hundreds of them. But when I go back, they sowed the seeds of the gospel through suffering. When we go back, I'd like for us to bring money and bring your testimony. I don't want to go by myself. I need you to go with me so they can see your face and see you're a Gentile believer and you were saved because of their service. And now he's got them all together, and he's going to make his trek back to, uh, back to Jerusalem. You can read about that in chapter, Acts chapter 20. 
and going forward, and he's getting ready to go back, and he writes this letter. And he says, there's one more thing I want us to be concerned about, and that is praying. Look, if you would please, let's look at it, and and I'll do my best to be as quick as possible. You're doing great. Are we okay? All right? Good. Young people over here, thank you for listening so well. I appreciate it very much. Look at verse 23. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, said, I've already got the gospel here. Wouldn't that be a great thing for us to say? Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, and I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thitherto by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. Basically, just saying, I can't wait to see you guys. Now, he's never been to Rome. These are people that he led to Christ, or have been affected by his ministry, who are now end up in Rome. Remember this, all roads lead to... So he's got all kinds of friends he's met in his missionary, 18 years of missionary journey or so, 13 years, and he's out there, and now he says, I'm writing to you guys, I know you have churches in Rome, and he's writing them a letter. He says, I'm looking forward to being with you, but now I go to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. He said, but right now, before I can go see you, I need to go to Jerusalem, and I want to give this. And for it hath pleased them of Macedonia, that's the churches of Philippi, Berea, Thessalonica, and Achaia, that's Corinth, Galatia, those areas, to make certain contribution, contributions for the poor saints that are in Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. So they got saved because of their service. For if the Gentiles had been partakers of the spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them the carnal things. He said, if someone gives you spiritual fruit, give them uh, material things. We find that in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, verse 28. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. He said, when I get over done with all this, I plan to get to you into Spain. That didn't happen the way he wanted it to happen, but that was his intent. Verse 29. I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. He says, I'm going to see people you're leading to Christ and the gospel's going forth. I can't wait. Verse number 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your what? To God for me. Brother Mark Duff preached a great message on this some time ago on this passage of Scripture, far better than I'll ever to share with you this evening. But he did talk about this, Pastor. You now he says, you know, I need you to have a testimony of prayer. I want you to pray. He said, Pastor, can we learn how to pray for missionaries? Right here you can learn. Can you learn how to pray for your pastor, your Sunday school teacher, your assistant pastors, your deacons? Right here. He says, now, I want to get over to you, but I got to go to Jerusalem first. Got to take all the stuff, and you please pray about this. I need you to join me in prayer. I just want to say this again. Listen to me in the balcony, the main floor. Men, ladies, children, adults, everybody, listen, look up in here. All of us need to work on prayer. Laboring in prayer. Please don't think that's little and preaching is big. Don't think that running the bus route is big and prayer is little. They're both vital. But prayer puts you... Many of us, we, all we know is first gear. We pedal our, our full legs off and get very little done because it's all on us. 
I think one thing that could help us get into third or fourth gear, fifth gear, would be a little bit of prayer. Prayer is the fuel. It is the, it is the oil that helps the engine flow. And it's a weakness in my life and yours. Pastor, what are we going to do? We're going to need to pray about our prayer life and start beginning to get into this thing. Our lives should be known as lives of prayer. He says, listen, pray with me about this. What are you asking to pray about? Let's look at what he said and we'll conclude. He said, I want you to pray to God for me. Verse 31. Number one, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. The first thing you might pray for your spiritual leaders is that God would give them deliverance from evil men. Do you know what Brother Treber needs tonight? He needs deliverance from someone in the health department that hates their guts and doesn't even know why. He needs deliverance from a, a, a governor, Gavin Newsom, that, that doesn't understand the gospel. He needs to be saved. That's what he needs to be saved. He needs to be delivered from people that don't understand. What does the Bible say about those men? Their foolish heart is darkened. They can't, they can't identify the truth. Truth is the elephant in the living room. They're just walking around. I hope you're praying for Brother Treber. Hope you're praying for other people going through difficult times. The knowledge of our missionaries. What are we praying for? We're praying that God will give them opportunities. Tim Shook over in Thailand. They're putting a transformer in. They're building a building. You know what they need? They need favor with their officials. Brother, uh, Ed, uh, Brother, Ed, uh, Brother Eddie Arold, his wife is in Mexico burying her dad, trying to get back to Thailand. They've been over 95, almost 100 days separated. He's got four kids over there trying to take care of them by himself while she's there, and they won't let her back into to Thailand. You know what can fix that? One person. <laughs> Somebody in immigration, somebody would have, would, would say, you know what, I, I, I don't know why, but I'm going to let this happen. We can pay $15,000 or $12,000 or $9,000 or $6,000 for airfare and all these fees, or we can get somebody to pray that God would open up somebody's heart to do something. Amen. He said, you could, you could pray, number one, that I would be delivered from evil men in Judea. Number two, he said, pray that my service that I have to them, these testimonies and this cash, will be received. He says, some folks, they don't want my, you know, you go to missionaries, some people, they don't want them here. They hear it. Go back to America. Brother Bachman hears it all the time in Turkey. We don't need you here. Why are you here? We're Muslim. We don't need you. Why do you come to our country? Many missionaries hear that all the time. They have service they want to offer. It's spiritual service. It's good. It'll be a blessing to them eternally. He says, number one, pray that I'll be delivered from unrighteous men. Pray that they, what I have to give them will be received. And of course, many of the Jews in, in Jerusalem, pray that they'll, they'll, not, they'll not be so proud they won't accept it from Gentiles. That they'll sit still and listen to Sopater tell his story and Segundus tell how he got saved. And Titus and Timotheus, these Gentile believers that they got money from their churches and they're going to bring it to them. That they'll receive the testimony and receive the gift. I don't know about you, but that's some things I don't pray about for missions like I should. Pray that God will be delivered them from evil men, that God would help what they have to offer people to be received.
Pray that they'll get, they'll get the hearts of key men and women. You know why the church of Philippi was such a great church? Because a bunch of ladies got saved down by the river. And a jailer got saved. And a damsel got a demon out of her. That was the group that sent Paul finances over and over again. They weren't flashy. They were just simple people. They were key people. Pray that God would deliver them from unrighteous men, that God would cause what they're going to bring to the people to be accepted. Let's look else he said. He said, please pray for me that I will be delivered from them that do not believe, that my service which I have for them in Jerusalem may be accepted, and then of the saints, especially those who are Christians. 32, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may be with you and be what? refreshed. There's something about being with God's people that's a huge blessing. You know, I want to say to you, church family, I don't know if you like the song service here. I do. You may not like it. You may just say, man, why do you make a stand for 15 minutes? Why do you have to sing a song? But you know what? Sometimes when people come and they're from a church of 15 or 50, there's no one to play the piano. They think it's the best thing since ice cream. It encourages them. And Paul, he came, he said, you know what? I can't wait till I get together with you. And we can have joy. And being together, we can be refreshed. These are some prayer requests I want to encourage you to pray. You pray it for me, I'll pray it for you. Let's pray it for our missionaries. Say, Pastor, when I get to pray, I don't know what to pray for. Pray they'll be delivered from people that don't believe. Pray that people will receive what they have to offer. And then pray that their hearts would be joyful and refreshed. Weariness sets in and work. Some of you, you're bus captains, but you're sick of it. You're ushers, but you're tired. You're PA guys, but you're struggling. You're musicians, but you're tired. You know, weary sets in and work. What we need, we need refreshments. And it's an answer to a prayer that I can be with you and be refreshed in the last part that God gets glory.